So this morning I'm talking about praise, and I was going to begin by actually reading the story that Sally has just read, Um, that amazing story from Two Chronicles about King Jehoshaphat, who is challenged by other armies that are going to come against him, and he seeks God for what to do. And as Sally read to the children, he's told that he doesn't need to fight this army, He just needs to stand still and see God's deliverance. And the story goes on that they decide to send out the musicians and the singers at the head of the army, and they give praise to God, singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And all about them, the army is completely destroyed. It's a fantastic story of what it is to praise God and the victory that we can know in praise. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 has this wonderful verse. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let me read that again. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of God who brought you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that is our calling to give God praise. That is core in our purpose, is to praise God. If you feel that your life is lacking in purpose, then start by praising God, because that is who we are. That is what we are called to do. Um, Augustine's um, wonderful quote, I've used it many times before, that's adopted into the Westminster Catechism. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why we are here. That's what we're about. We are here to give God praise. And Jesus said, if we don't praise, the very stones will cry out and praise him. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be usurped by a stone. I don't want the stones to be praising God because I'm not. And so this morning, I want us to look at praise, what it means to praise. And the way I'm going to do that is there are actually seven Hebrew words, which in our um, English translations often just get translated as praise. But they all have slightly different connotations and kind of deeper meanings to them. So this morning, I'm going to take us through all of those seven words. I'm going to cover a couple of them, and then we're going to have some praise, do some more. Then we're actually going to have communion as an act of worship. And then I'll finish the last few off, and we'll have some worship time, I hope, to finish with. Okay? Is that all right? Everyone know what we're doing? Good. Okay. So, our first word for praise. Now, this is the most popular word in the Bible. This is used 160 times in the Old Testament, and it's the word halal. And it means to shine, to boast, overwhelming excitement, 
to be clamorously foolish. That's the key word for praise in the scripture. And of course, this is where we get hallelujah from. It's halal and yar is an abbreviation of Jehovah, those words coming together. That's where hallelujah comes from. So let's just look at some of the scriptures that use this. Praise the Lord. It's halal when you see praise in these sentences. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. The Psalms, you can imagine, are the key scriptures where these are used. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. And this term is often used in that corporate setting about people gathered together to give God praise. And I I don't know if we were to go outside and talk to people and say, where do you see shining, boasting, overwhelming excitement and people being clamorously foolish? Sadly, I think most people are more likely to say a football crowd than a church service. It's a challenge, isn't it? But this is the key definition of praise. I don't think I've ever left here and gone, oh, a lot of clamorously foolish expressions of praise today. Who knows? I guess David is someone who we often associate with someone who gave God praise. And the story of him in worship um, to the Lord when the ark is brought back into Jerusalem, of course, is a very well-known one. He throws off all his robes and dances before the Lord with all his might. Um, His wife, Michael, sees him and she doesn't like what he's doing and takes him to task over it. And he says to her, very well-known scripture, I will become even more undignified than this. He doesn't care what people think of him because he wants to give God praise. Now, I'm not advocating this morning that we start discarding our clothes um, when we come to our Sunday morning worships time. Um, But I guess for me, when I think about that passage, you know, the whole ceremony of the ark coming back into Jerusalem was an awesome thing. They were sacrificing along the way. And I imagine David would have been in these tremendous ornate robes. I can kind of imagine, you know, the coronation robes, something like that. And there would have been a point where they would have just got in the way when he wanted to praise God. And I think for us, you know, when we come into a time of praise, there's other things that get in the way. We can come in carrying other things that stop us from fully entering into what we're there to do, to give God glory and to give God praise. They can hold us back, can't they, these other things. And I think one of the challenges that there can be, and for the majority of us here, I think it's the case, is that we're British. And overwhelming excitement doesn't come as easy 
I think to some of us, some people are more naturally expressive, I get that, but we can be very reserved, can't we, naturally. And, uh, you know, I know my passport says I'm British, but the truth is I am born again in the kingdom of God, and I am a citizen of heaven, and I have to choose to which culture I will let influence me to give God praise. Because in heaven, I don't think they're a little bit reluctant. In fact, that we see all the pictures of heaven in people praising God, they're throwing themselves down before the throne of God. They're totally abandoned in their praise to God. And I think for us, especially those of us that are British, that can be a bit of a challenge. But I think the thing that struck me most about this definition was the fact that it talks about to shine. And we shine when we reflect God's glory. As we look at him, we shine. And that means we have to take the focus off ourselves and onto him. We're to reflect his glory. We can reflect his glory. But if I want to reflect something, I need to be looking at it. I can't see myself in a mirror unless I look at it. It means I have to take the focus off myself and onto him. And in that way, I will shine. And you know, when we take the focus off ourselves and onto him, our faith rises doesn't it? As we praise God, whatever the circumstances, our faith grows and builds, and we can shine. We can reflect his glory. You know, the story that Sally read, um, I referred to about King Jehoshaphat, what I find interesting in that scripture is that God didn't tell them to praise him. He didn't tell them to put the musicians at the head of the army He told them to stand. He told them to stand in faith. He told them to go out, face the army, and to stand. And imagine what that must have been like when there are armies from three different nations ahead of you. They knew that they needed to not look at themselves, but look to God. And their response is to praise. They know that they can't stay focusing on their own situation, but they've got to be looking at him and giving God praise. And when we praise God, despite what is ahead of us, that's when we can see victory. We overcome the enemy when we give God praise. We overcome the enemy. It's a powerful, powerful weapon. I mean, talking about to stand, if I would say to you where in Scripture does it encourage us to stand, I'm sure many of you would think of the passage in Ephesians 6, which talks about the armor of God. We need to stand. We need to stand in our faith. And the way that we do that is to take the focus off ourselves and onto him. Because when we look at him, we see how huge he is and great he is our situations can become smaller when we see them in perspective of who he is. And um, I was thinking of the uh, prayer in Ephesians that Paul says, and you know, I think this is a great prayer. Paul prays, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
I think the more that we know him, the more that our focus is on him and who he is, that changes us. And our response is to give him praise, is to give him glory. And we see in David, who's known as a man after God's own heart, he knew him. He knew the God he was worshipping, which was why, with abandon, he could give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So coming on to word number two for praise, and we've actually already had a go at this this morning, which is great. I didn't know Sally was going to do that. Shabak means to shout, to shout with triumph. Psalm 63, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And that actually means to shout with triumph. Um, It can also mean to shout down or to still. Um, Psalm 89, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. That sense of the power of a shout, stilling and calming. And I loved what Sally got us to do this morning because I really do believe that there can be power in a shout. There can be power in shouting, not for victory, but from victory. And praising and shouting and declaring in faith is something that we can do. And I think some of the time, it can take a bit of courage to raise a shout. Some of the kids had great volume this morning. It was wonderful. And I think there are situations in our own lives where we need to shout. We need to raise that voice of triumph. So, band, come on stage. I'm going to give us an order. Yada is the second most used word for praise in the Old Testament. It's used 114 times, and it literally means extended hands or giving thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, Yada, extended hands. Give thanks to him and Yada, praise his name. I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. I praise him with extended hands. I, sometimes my hands just do this. I don't go, oh, I'm going to raise my hands at this point. They just seem to do it. And uh, that's extended hands. That's like giving thanks to God, giving thanks to him because he's so worthy, isn't he? He's so worthy of our praise. And it's so key to have an attitude of gratitude. I love that expression. And there are, you know, so many studies on the health benefits of gratitude and I, I was having a bit of a look into this because they have found that pe- people who are continually grateful have better mental health, better emotional health, physical health, make better decisions, their relationships are better. These are the things that they're finding out. And uh, I read one study from the Harvard Medical School where they, they were doing a study on sleep and they took a group of people And they said to them that when they went to bed and wanted to get to sleep, they encouraged them to mentally go through all the things that they were thankful for. 
and just start going through the things they were thankful for. And you know, when they compared them to the group of other people that they were assessing in their sleep, they found that those who went to bed in gratitude slept much, much better than those that didn't. And the conclusion of the story was, story, report, study, um, was if you can't sleep, don't count sheep, count your blessings. Count your blessings. I guess medically, I don't understand it, but it must, if you're being grateful as you're going to bed, it must release some positive kind of things in your brain, I assume. But medically, being thankful and having gratitude is better for you. And it kind of makes sense because that's God's purpose for us, to actually live in gratitude. And how, privilege, how much of a privilege is it for us that we know who we're grateful to? We're not just thankful of what life happened to throw at us, but we have somebody that we can be grateful to. David in this psalm, this is one of my favorite psalms, when he's in a bad place and he's struggling, he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. I will yet extend my hands and give him thanks, my saviour and my God. He knows that he may be in a difficult situation, but to thank God, to praise God, is the way that he will be lifted out of that situation. And it says, my soul is downcast, therefore I will remember you. And David goes back to remember the times where God has met with him, where God has delivered him. And so often God's charge against the Israelites was that they forgot they forgot, they forgot all the good things he did. And being grateful, being thankful to God, not only helps us <laughs> in our health, um, but it, it lifts us out of our situations as we give him thanks, as we give him praise. And there's another word very similar to this, and that's toda, another Hebrew word for praise. And here, the sense is of a, like a confession, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Again, this is from Psalm 42. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. And I love this from Psalm 50. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. This is about a sacrifice of praise. Praise when it's hard. Praise when it's not necessarily the evidence in front of us. Um, but this kind of praise is so beautiful to God. This is a prophecy from Jeremiah. And this is really that essence of, of praising God in faith the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise, give thanks, the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever, and of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first that praise to God, which is a sacrifice of praise. And then finally, in this little bit, we have the word barak, 
which means to kneel in adoration, to bow. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And also this word denotes blessing. And uh, Psalm 103, some of the translations are, Bless the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Bless his holy name. But the word here, Barak, is to kneel in adoration, to bow down before him, to adore him, giving of ourselves to him. And of course, we know that the ultimate sacrifice of praise to God was Jesus. Jesus coming. Jesus giving his whole life for us. That is the ultimate act of worship and praise. So we're going to take communion now. As a re- the word zamar, to touch the strings, to give instrumentation, or to sing. And uh, we've not actually talked about music yet. Often we associate praise with music. This particular word is 41 times um, in the scriptures. I will sing a new song to you, my God. On the ten-stringed lyre, I will make music or sing praises. Some translations say to you. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. And music is so powerful, isn't it? We're so blessed. Thank you, band. It's, you're coming back up. But it's, it's uh, just all the different instruments and voices and sounds. Such a blessing. And um, I was thinking about, you know, some of the great Hollywood blockbusters um, you, we see some kind of fantastic scenes before us, but what can really make it is the music that goes with it. And um, the first film that came to mind when I was thinking of this was E.T. Just that bit where Elliot's on the bike with E.T. in the basket, and they're pedaling along, and the police are after them, and suddenly they, they lift off, don't they, through the air. And you've got this incredible score from John Williams, who wrote so many amazing musical scores. As this bike goes through the air, oh, it just brings a lump to your throat, doesn't it? Music is so powerful. It can be so influential. And, and I think how much more when it's music written to give God praise and music that is honouring to him. I, um, I was with Liz Green and uh, Ros Butler earlier this week. Ros was telling us she'd been to Warwick Castle and how much her grandson loved all the armour. And uh, I was reminded of a time when I went to Windsor Castle and they um, give you a headset there, a kind of, as you tour around, which talks through the various rooms as you go through and the things that you're seeing. And I remember this one moment of coming round the corner and walking in to this incredible hall that had suits of armor all the way down the side. It was an amazing scene. But in my head, they were playing Zadok the Priest. You know um, Handel from the Coronation March? 
Oh my goodness me. I, I remember walking around, seeing this amazing sight and this music in my ears and there were tears streaming down my face. I don't know what people must have thought. But for me, that's one of the most incredible choral pieces ever written. I can't listen to it without crying. It's so awesome. I think that is the true sense of the word, overused word, awesome. And uh, music can be so powerful. Um, to lift us. And there's, you know, in the Bible, there's two well-known stories. Um, Saul, when he has gone away from God and he's being tormented um, by an evil spirit, his first encounter really with David was the fact that he asks for someone who can play. And David comes and brings his harp um, it wouldn't have been a harp like we think of a harp, a big harp. It would have been a ten-string lyre, which is more like a guitar, really. Um, and David played. And as David played, the spirit left Saul. And the, the other instance that we have in the Old Testament is, again, with King Jehoshaphat. Um, he is in, yet again, another challenging situation, and he wants to inquire of the Lord. So he asks for Elisha to come. And the prophet Elisha comes, and he's told of the situation, and Elisha says, bring me a musician. And as somebody plays, it says the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he begins to prophesy. And I think worship music, instrumentation, can so change the atmosphere I've heard several accounts of when people have done missions in their towns, when they've had worship bands on the streets, there's been no crimes committed. I've heard that in certain places where people are worshipping publicly. It makes a difference to the atmosphere, doesn't it? And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, it's such a significant thing, and it's very important to me to be able to do that. And certainly, if I'm preparing something like preparing for today, the first thing I will do is worship. I'll put worship music on, and I'll worship. And that will lift my focus onto God. That will change the atmosphere around me. And then I start to think, okay, what, what am I going to say, Lord? What do you want me to do today? Um, and we're so privileged that we've got masses of access to so much good um, worship material going back centuries <laughs> of wonderful things that we can listen to to inspire us. It changes the atmosphere to worship. If you're going into difficult situations, play worship music. Sing. Sing in your heart. I was in um, Morocco on a mission with World Prayer Center with Maggie. And uh, we were walking around. Uh, some of you may have been to Jamal of Fanar, which is um, a huge kind of market. And there's lots of horrible stuff, actually, that goes on there. You've got snake charmers and fortune tellers. And um, as we were going, um, one of the team who lives in Morocco made a comment that I was, I was praying in tongues as I was walking around. And I hadn't even realized I was doing it. But it changes the atmosphere. And I was bringing in the presence of God. And by worshiping and singing, we can do that. We can change the atmosphere where we go. Okay, moving on. To healer. To sing a new song from the heart. So this is the last Hebrew word for praise. To healer. Not to be confused with tequila, which is a different thing. To sing a new song from the heart. I waited patiently for the Lord. 
He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to healer, to our God. To heal is about something new, a new song of praise. And the wonderful scripture from Isaiah 61 that we know, that Jesus proclaims um, when he's in the temple, bestowing a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise, that's to healer, a new song instead of a spirit of despair. That's what's available to us. But we have to choose to put that on, don't we? That's there for us. We can lay aside those clothes of despair and put on a garment of praise. And uh, I was reminded of this scripture from uh, Song of Songs. And I know we're approaching autumn and we can hear the rain on the roof here. But this is what the word of God says. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land, the fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. You know, with Jesus, it can always be spring. Because God always has new things for us and new things he wants to do within us. And um, for many of us, September is kind of the start of a new year. Is It's the start of a new academic year and a new term for our children young people. We'll be praying for them in a couple of weeks when they go back to school. But I was just thinking about that new song that can arise within us. And sometimes when we're going through challenging situations, we need that new song to arise, don't we? Um, jo Marsden, I don't think she's here this morning, but at Bridging the Gap, we, um, at the start of the year, we always kind of write what our prayers are and what we want to see God do for the year. And I remember last year, Jo asking God for a new song. That's what she asked from him, a new song. And through that, she then had the amazing opportunity to work at Trinity, and things really changed for her. And there was something in her heart that wanted something new from God, that wanted a new song. And uh, really, that's my prayer for us here, that we will have a new song, that we won't carry on the same, but that we'll have a new song. So we're going to praise to finish, but I just want to... Um, just in conclusion, really, just read these last few verses from 2 Chronicles, the story that we, can, we began with, because actually in this scripture, there's four different words for praise here from all that I've been sharing this morning. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. Here it's halal, shine, boasting, and to praise him, yada, extending hands, thanksgiving for the splendor of his holiness, as they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise to Hela, bring a new song from the heart, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. 
On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Berakah, where they praised Barak, knelt in adoration to the Lord. That is why it's called the valley of Berakah to this day. So band, if you'd like to come up and we'll sing something.